to Galatians. It'll help you. You won't be able to sit down and bounce right back up, you know. I never used to think about that, but now I think about it. <laughs> if you're a mother here and you've had a lot of tension, maybe you get a headache, do what it says on the aspirin bottle. Take two aspirin and keep away from children. Galatians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to... Uh, I'm telling you, I've been a pastor for over 10 years, and I've never preached a sermon like this before. And it's... But I've never needed to do this as much as now let's read it together galatians chapter 4 starting in verse 12 paul writes i beg of you brethren because become as i am for i also have become as you are you have done me no wrong but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that i preached the gospel to you the first time and that with which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is always good to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, not only when I am present with you. He says, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. But I wish to be present with you now to change my tone for I am perplexed about you. This morning, for those of you that are mothers and you remember the labor pains that you went through giving birth, I want you to think about that this morning in another way. Picturing the pain of desiring someone else to grow in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow in prayer with me? Father God, I ask that you would fall fresh on us today. Father, I don't really know how to go about this sermon. So I pray that you will work. You have promised that if we will stick to your word, it will not go out void. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the main household growing up, dad was the authoritarian. He was the one that disciplined. He was the one that set out the direction for our family. Mom was the nurturer. She was the heart of the family. She was the one that when dad got a little angry and laid hands on us, before it got out of hand, she would step in. I never remember my mother yelling at us one time growing up. You may have a different experience. But that, this is my experience, is that mom was a quiet person, still is to this day. But when mom spoke up, she didn't have to raise her voice. 
Because you knew what she was saying was important. The majority of the time that Paul speaks, he speaks as authoritarian. Through the first four chapters, three and a half chapters of Galatians, he's laid out the doctrine. This is the teaching of God, and he kind of hammers it. And he comes to this middle, and he is kind of overcome with the motherly instinct of love and nurture and help. And it's a great picture into who he was as a person. We can read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll bring this verse up to you and we'll point back to it at different times today. But in 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 7 and 8, Paul shares his heart. And he says this, We prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. What an intimate couple of verses. What's different about this in the, in the past six plus years that I have been at Hales Chapel Baptist Church? I have gotten up here nearly every Sunday. As the authoritarian. I think that's the way it should be. God's word says what it says. And we ought to stand on it. And I. Don't apologize for that. What I do apologize for is that. Sometimes. In my style. You, you realize that preaching style. Is part of your personality. It really can't be changed. So for those of you that have been trying for six years, give it up. It's part of your personality. And when I get excited about God's word, I get loud. When something is true, I like to shout it from the rooftops. But you know what happens in that? Sometimes it comes across as arrogant. Sometimes it comes across that I don't care. What's unfortunate is that some people only come on Sunday morning and the only time they see me is behind this pulpit, which is unfortunate because you'll never really get to know my heart. So what I want to do, just like Paul's doing here, is he's giving you a little window into his heart. And I want to do something that I am vastly uncomfortable with, and that's getting in touch with my motherly side. In trying to talk with you as a mother would her children, I've never been a mother. I have been a nursed child, though. And the closeness of that relationship is mirrored here in the Word of God, and it's important. And so I'm not going to raise my voice much today, but we're going to examine God's Word together and maybe give you a little glimpse into my heart in how much I love you and what I am praying every day that God will do in and through us. Are you ready? You say, well, this is odd. Oh, yeah, but it'll be all right. Paul begins in verse 12 by giving us his appeal straight off. He doesn't beat around the bush even 
when he's trying to reveal his heart to them. He says, I'm begging you. I wish you could be like me. Paul was not perfect, nor am I. But I am begging you to be like me. What does that look like? Well, we can. worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again. Now, I'm not going to go into the details of what Paul was describing specifically here because he's talking about Judaism, Judaizers. That's not a problem for us today, but idolatry is. And in the big picture, this is what he's talking about. Anything in our lives that we do that it's not to know God better, is an idol. Anything. Any worthless activity. It could be a good thing, seemingly. But if it doesn't lead us to the Lord and knowing Him, it's worthless. I would tell you this. It's more of an attitude of your mind than it is of anything else. So are you ready to dive into this? We're going to look at three quick points about this text and about our six years together. And maybe we'll all live through this and understand each other in a better way. You ready? Number one, be reminded that there's ups and downs in ministry. You agree with that? When Paul first came to this region... He didn't come there on purpose. It was totally accidental. He got sick. Most people believe he got contracted malaria. And that he needed to go to a higher elevation where he could get relief. And most people think that it spread and infected his eyes and that his physical appearance was really bad. And he says, look, when I came to you, I looked really bad. And you should have you said, no. But you took me in, and you listened to the gospel, and then you received the gospel, and you accepted me as if I were an angel from the Lord. Now, people don't become angels. Paul's just using a metaphor there. But he said, you loved me. And he said, now, when I'm telling you to grow in your walk with the Lord. It's great back then that you got saved, but now when I'm telling you to mature in your faith, he says in verse 16, so have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul blessed them with the gospel and they would have done anything for him. It says they, they even would have plucked out their own eye for him. That's love, isn't it? But now, in breaking down their traditions, he has gone from a hero to a zero. And it happens sometimes quite 
swiftly. Here's the interesting thing about our walk together in the last six years. As I look around, we have experienced some of the greatest times together, haven't we? If you're new with us, you can only look into the future, but I can tell you that we have experienced some of the most wonderful times together. But I can tell you this, as I look around, there's sometimes in the lives of us personally, we've had some really struggles where maybe you thought I was Satan incarnate. And maybe I thought at times that you were Satan incarnate. Nothing tears a pastor up more than to see people come to a point in their walk with the Lord and then go backwards. You see, I have this idea. Let me share it with you. If you just come to this church, you just attend this church, I'm wanting you to be sure of your salvation and join this church. If you've joined this church, I want you to come on Wednesday nights, come on Sunday school, and get more in touch with, not me, but more in touch with God's word. You see, I, I feel like if you're not progressing in even just your attendance, then you're definitely probably not increasing in your personal walk with the Lord. And if you come on Wednesday nights and I'm trying to get you to be involved in discipleship training classes that we have on Sunday nights, I'm trying. My microphone's out. It went dead, yeah. If you come to discipleship training, I'm wanting you to get out there in the world and use what you've learned. That's my goal. That's my heart in all of this. Every Sunday morning when I challenge you from God's word, it's not that I uh, have arrived. It's that we've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep pushing forward. If we don't keep pushing forward, we're going to slide back. There is no stagnant, there is no static relationship with the Lord. Nothing stays the same. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. Paul describes this, uh, well, let me put it like this. He describes it clear in here, but it, if, if you think my heart hurts to watch your up and down relationship with the Lord, what do you think the Lord thinks? Do you think it bothers him? To see you flounder around, to see you not moving forward, he writes Jesus uh, in Luke 13, maybe gives a good description of this. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who sent, were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not have it. Mom, think about what that's like. You want to protect your children, don't you? You want to protect them from all the things in this world that could hurt them. And they just push you away. The kids do this as they get older, don't they? They come back, is what I've been told. And I'm finding that in my own walk with my parents. 
My parents have gotten a lot smarter in the last few years. But it hurts, doesn't it? Don't you think the Lord goes through that in your relationship with him that you say, Sunday morning's enough for me, God. As your pastor, I must lay down my life as an example for you. Not always a good example. Sometimes I'm a hero. More than likely, most of the time I'm a zero. But it goes both ways, doesn't it? I'm seeking to be more patient. More what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, gentle. Do you know what meekness is? Meekness is, I am going to have some patience with you, realizing the struggle that I am going through every day. What would church look like if we had that attitude together? I thank the Lord for the trials that we have gone through. I thank the Lord for some of the battles that personally we have gone through. They've been good. In that, we can understand that there is nothing that can come between our relationship if we'll just humble ourselves, confess sin, get it right. Nothing. What burdens me and what burdens you should be when we get the attitude of, I'm out of here, taking my ball and I'm going home. We're going to be together for eternity, so guess what we better learn right now? We parts of the same body, and that's good. There's eternal work going on right here. But as long as I am trying to have it my way and you're trying to have it your way and none of us have our eyes on the one whose way counts, it's going to keep going like this. And I pray, as I beg you to follow my example, I pray that you could say this one thing about my life. I know I'm walking away from the microphone. It's hot, Ricky. It's making, burning me up over here. Is that when you look at my life, you could say, I may not like him, but he's faithful. He's consistent. We know where he's coming. Boy, if we could do that, I would be happy. So let's move on. Are you tired of going up and down in your walk with the Lord? Well, it's going to take some choice decisions on your part and my part about pushing forward, not being just happy with what's gone on in the past. But let's move on. We need to be aware, forewarned, that the enemy, who's the enemy? Satan. Satan. He has a plan in this. What's going on in the church here that Paul's describing is people are coming in wanting to make the church a power play, wanting to grab control, and they feel like Paul had the control and they wanted it. Paul says it's a good thing for someone to want control over you, but only if they're pushing you to a closer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. If they're pushing you toward a, a walk or 
to their control, it's, it's wrong. It's idolatry. You can read that in chapter 6, verse 12, that no one who is godly will seek to make the church about themselves. And that goes for church members trying to take control, getting everybody on their side, but it also goes for pastors. It's not about you or me. It's about him. Now somebody has to lead, don't they? Somebody has to step in and say, hey, we're in a war right now. I love the way Paul says it. Brother Don Shambly read this in Sunday school last week. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 says this. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from what? Envy and strife. They're preaching the gospel to cause division. But some also from goodwill. I would say it like this. If Brother Keith here is having problems with me this week, and I come to church to preach on Sunday morning, all week I've had Keith in mind, I got a good one for Brother Keith, and I use this pulpit as a weapon. I'll tell you this, sometimes that can happen without you even being aware as a pastor that you're doing it. That's why I preach through books of the Bible, because it protects me from getting involved in that sin. And it's sin. The interesting thing is that God is working in you. The same spirit that's working in you is working right here. Can we trust that spirit? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on y'all. Is that what the word song says? No. Fall fresh on me. He says, the former proclaim Christ out of what? Rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me some distress in my imprisonment. If you don't watch it, church becomes about a power play. It doesn't come, come about knowing God and furthering His will. It comes about, this is my place. And me as a pastor, well, I can get wrapped up in that fairly quickly. What then? Only that in every way, Paul says, whether in pretense or in truth, regardless of what the attitude is given, he said what? Christ is proclaimed, and in that, I am content. I rejoice. In Matthew 23, Jesus gives this verse. He says, the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, he said they go out and they, they walk for miles trying to get a proselyte to come to Judaism. Not because they want to help someone with the burden that they're bearing. They only want them to come so they can make them bear the heavy load that they're ready to put on them. He says in the end of it that they're... Uh, they make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. That's some stunning words if you think about religious leaders. And I ask myself the question, if everyone in the church acted like me, would we be closer to the Lord or would we look more like sons of Satan? At first, that seems like a fairly obvious answer to that question. But here's what's difficult. 
Evil in the world does not trouble me nearly like evil in my own heart. So it's not like there's evil people and good people. It's not that there's evil pastors, good pastors. I think there's honest pastors and dishonest pastors. An honest pastor is going to tell you that there's a struggle going on right here. Not going to do everything right. Because not only am I a shepherd, I'm also a sheep. And there's going to be times where we're going to have to get together and I'm going to have to confess sin and you're going to have to choose whether to forgive me. There's going to be times for that with you also. But my purpose is not to elevate myself. I so desperately want to see you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. To know Him. You say, this is a really awkward service. Good. Do you realize that Satan has a plot against the church? The plot is for all of us to get in here and try to make it about ourselves. The verse that Jason read in Galatians, this is the next chapter, says, Take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire, singular, of the flesh. Paul, what he's saying is that there's really only one desire of the flesh, and that's to be God. I want, And that reveals itself in control. I want to be in control. And that is for pastors, that is for church members, that's for wives, that's for husbands, that's for children. Every one of us wants to be in charge. However, we're not. And the fact of the matter is, when we try to, we're stepping on Satan's team. You say, Brother Dan, I've seen some horns every once in a while on you. I'm afraid you have. I've seen some, some horns on you. Does that mean I'm full-time on the team? No, bless God, I hate that team. It's interesting to me that I want evil to have a face. I want Satan to have a face that looks a lot like anybody that's coming against me. But to think that people are not the enemy. None of you are the enemy. And let me, here's a newsflash for you. I am not your enemy. I desperately want to see you grow in the Lord. If I have to make you uncomfortable to do it, well, I'll do it. If I have to grab you by the neck and yank, I'll do it. If I have to get whooped in the front yard, I've been having it threatened before. I'll I'll do whatever I can do. I'll pour my life out here to see you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So easy to get off track. It's good for me to remember this and for you also that when someone opposes me they're not opposing me if I'm standing on the word of God they're opposing God 
Let's not make this personal. Sometimes it feels that way. They don't address the letters to you, dear God. When it says dear Dan, most of the time the dear's left off. It's not about me. I've got to remember who my enemy is and you've got to remember whose yours is. You're not mine and I'm not yours. We're in this together, folks. But let's move on. Lastly, be informed about your leader's greatest melancholy. <laughs> melancholy is just another word for depression. <laughs> I went to Smithfield this week. Went to a gun store in Smithfield. Sean and I went. It's owned by a pastor. And we went there on Monday, and it was closed. Sean said, what kind of gun shop is closed on Monday? I said, pastors don't need to be dealing with firearms on Mondays. Why is it that we as pastors are so depressed on Mondays? I'll tell you. I mean, I just open up to you. It's sin, first of all. Okay? It's a sin that nearly every pastor deals with. Okay? Maybe you won't get this honesty in every church, but I'm opening up to you today. All week long, I'm in God's Word, studying trying to find ways to apply a certain passage to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. I'm excited about it. It's kind of a crescendo that comes to Sunday morning. The whole, the whole week is working to 8.30 and 11 o'clock. I'm excited. I'm pumped up about it. Sometimes that comes off me screaming and yelling. I'm pumped about it. And when... People saturate this place with their absence. It hurts. See, I want us to all be that way that you have all week been in the Word and you're, oh, you're fired up and you've been getting together. It's like, oh, this is what heaven's going to be like. But then we come and the actual event happens. And people are coming in and they've stayed out till 2 in the morning for some ungodly reason. You let your kids play video games till 2.30. You drag in. Comatose. And I've already had six cups of coffee. I'm ready to go. And I ask questions expecting answers. None are forthright. Then the whole thing ends in an invitation oh whole week I said God as much as you've shown me in this bless God I know what everybody else is going through and this is bound to just boy just speak to people down there all by myself all by myself don't want to be I get down. Here's the interesting thing that I'm learning. Just because you're not down here doesn't mean God's not there. Just because I don't see visible results doesn't mean God's not faithful. And I have to stand up. That's me growing in faith. That I have to trust Him. Is that easy? Oh, it is when I actually do it. The, the talking of it is more difficult. I've 
read this this week. We as parents never seem to outgrow our children. When they're little, they're a handful. When they're grown, they're a heartful. When they're little, they're stepping on your toes. When they're big, they're stepping on your heart. And I remember times thinking, good night, I can't wait till he gets out of diapers. I'd go back to those days. Paul here stops arguing, talking like a lawyer, and he's pleading as a parent. He says, my children, ladies, think about the pain that you went through labor. And he's saying, when you got saved, I was going through those pains to see you get saved. And now I'm going through the pains again because you won't seem to step forward and mature. What does mature look like? It's the reaching and teaching model, right? We reach you with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we teach you to go out and make disciples. But so very rarely people step into that role. You'll never grow until you start telling someone else about the Lord Jesus Christ. Until you start making that part of your life. Or maybe a better way to put it is, until you make that your life. And I got to tell you, it's depressing. And when I read in the Old Testament about Moses not believing that God was ever going to get those stubborn Israelites into the nation of Israel. That's me a lot of times. I love what Paul says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. He says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, so what? Do you think that looks like Sunday morning? If, if you're here every once in a while, I would be thankful to see the growth in your life of being faithful. But I want to see you go forward. And it affects me greatly. It affects our church greatly. If you're in sin here, I'll tell you this. You think, well, it doesn't bother anybody or affect anybody. It does affect the whole body. I wish you could be in my office as I call out to the Lord about you. And it's my lack of faith when I get depressed about it because God's on the throne. He's working. It's my lack of faith that says, i got to see it all. It says, so walk in him having been firmly rooted. And I feel like in the last six years, I have given you a rooting that should be firm. And now being built up in him, established in your faith. Boy, that's what I want to see. Just as you were instructed and overflowed with gratitude. It pains me to see the ups and downs of your life. It pains me to ask about your quiet time. And I get this. Is it because I just want you to do what I want you to do? No, ma'am. 
that you might come to know God. My little children, think about it like this. When I was a child, I used to hate my parents' rules, lectures, because I thought they were trying to stop me from having a good time. You know what I've learned as I'm older? They were trying to show me authority. They were trying to keep me from things that were going to destroy my life. They were trying to help me know God. Is God's rule over my life a bad thing? Oh no, it's a wonderful thing that will lead me into a closer walk with Him that will last throughout eternity. You see, the bad thing about what's going on in church is this. We're not giving a very clear picture of our Heavenly Father to the lost world. And that's on me, and that's on you. You see, because only together can we make that happen. I can't do it by myself, nor can you do it by yourself. We must do it together. John R. Stott said it like this. The church needs people who, in listening to their pastor... Listen for the message of Christ and let go of all the rest. Also, pastors who, in laboring among the people, look for the image of Christ and let go of everything else. If I have been a stumbling block to you, I ask you to forgive me. I want you to know this. In the six years that I've been here, I don't harbor any feelings of ill will toward anyone in our church. I think we have come a long way. We're starting down a new road here, though, in really becoming a church with a pastor that is committed, pastors that are committed to the church, not looking for advancement, but looking to be used by God. And I would pray that you would see us as an angel from the Lord. Not to be controlling over you, but to help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. To be that little voice inside your head that's always pushing you to go forward. It's a new day. You're getting used to a pastor. You know, you used to have the attitude, well, let's just wait a couple years and he'll be gone and we can get used to a new one. But now you're having to settle in. And all that's good. Because then it doesn't come, become about you. It doesn't come about me. It becomes about the Lord Jesus Christ. As I read this again, I hope that I am proving to be meek or gentle among you. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, and 8. I haven't always been meek with you. I want to be. Here's the great thing about it. If I come across as being motherly, meek, you know that it's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. It doesn't come natural. But I want you to know that just like a nursing mother cares for her own children, 
I have a fond affection for you. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. When I'm at your kid's school, see him come out the door and they run down the hall to say hey I can't tell you what my heart is for you I feel like your kids are my kids when your kids get saved I can't tell you what my heart does and when your kids get arrested make wrong decisions I can't tell you what my turn your hair gray prematurely oh I wouldn't have it any other way wouldn't have it any other way so I hope that I can impart the gospel to you but the kick behind it will be that I'm imparting my life to you also look at me watch me Look at my example. Am I perfect? Am I willing to humble myself before you? I'm seeking to. And I pray that you'll do the same. But my heart is that just as a baby is formed in mom, so first of all, if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you would surrender to him but that's not where I want it to stop for you you see I'm in pain to see you move forward in your walk with the Lord that it wouldn't be something you do it would be who you are would you bow with me I really don't know what an invitation looks like in a service like this I have a little experience after the first one this morning I usually tell you to examine your own heart and that would be appropriate this morning if you've never been saved I pray that you would examine your heart this morning if you are a Christian there's a certain amount of that that needs to go on in each of our hearts but this morning I want us to focus on our church and moving forward and stop the ups and downs how do we do that I don't know I think it has to do with your walk with the Lord and my walk with the Lord and we'll see God work so we're gonna Sean's gonna come and she's gonna play the piano give us a little music we're not gonna sing the altar's gonna be open for you to come pray I don't know what God's doing but let's let it